Hello and welcome to the For the Evolution of Business podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Brady, and I'm here today with Dr. Shonel Hawkins and Mubarak Bashir. So they're from the Urban League of Rochester, which was founded in 1965 in the wake of racial unrest and riots that crippled the Rochester community. It was formed to address the material needs of the poor and minority citizens in areas such as housing, employment, education, health, and economic parity. Dr. Sean L. Hawkins was named the Urban League of Rochester's new president and CEO in June of 2019. Dr. Hawkins is the first woman to ever serve as president and CEO of the Urban League of Rochester. Congratulations on that. Thank you. And, uh, and Dr. Hawkins joins the Urban League from her position as executive director of Sojourner Home, a local nonprofit empowering women, children, and their families through transitional support services as they recover from traumas associated with homelessness, domestic violence, mental health, and substance use disorders. As leader of Urban League, she'll continue to serve the mission of building self-sufficiency through education, skill development, employment, and home ownership in Rochester on a larger scale. And then also joining us is Mubarak Bashir, who is the Divisional Director of Workforce Development at the Urban League of Rochester. And in his almost 11 years at the Urban League, he's also served as program counselor, coordinator, and then director of multiple youth programs, which I'm looking forward to hear more about. And he's a recent graduate of the United Way's African American Leadership Development Program, which is where I had the honor of meeting him, and he was elected as the class representative to serve on the board of the United Way, which I think says a lot to be a leader among leaders. So uh, thank you both for joining us today. Thank, thank you, you for, for having, having us. us. So I, as I was saying before we got rolling, I'm just blown away the more that I learn about the Urban League, all of the different programs uh, you know, that, that, got, uh, that, that are under your umbrella, I guess. Uh, but, but let's go all the way back to the beginning um, and talk a little bit about that, about that founding. Um, tell us a little bit about what, what brought the Urban League, uh, you know, that, that need uh, to, to have it in our community. Yeah, Dr. Knox thought, first of all, the Urban League as a national organization, has been serving the country for over 110 years. And so um, Dr. Knox started this Urban League here in Rochester in 1965, of course, with the racial tension that we had here. And there was a need to make sure that African-Americans and Latinos had access to um, an equitable Rochester. And at that time, that was difficult. And you needed organizations like the Urban League. Still today, you still need the Urban League. Um, but we do our work in a much different way. Um, and so we help African Americans, Latinos, anyone that has been impacted, been impacted by poverty, or have been disadvantaged in any way, we provide them services. We have about thirty plus programs that we do that, and so we have workforce development programs. We have programs to help people with businesses. So we have a whole business division, and so we support individuals with MWBE certification or even just starting their own business. Um, we have youth and family services. We have services for the aging. We have services for individuals, adults with disabilities. We also have a housing development corporation. And so we build affordable housing for our community. So when you think about the Urban League, most often you don't understand the full breadth of all the services that we provide. But we have 30 plus programs and a team of talented individuals like Mubarak that are working to make sure that the Rochester community is growing and we have a more economic, um, we, we want to see those economic improvements in the Rochester community. And we're doing that through our work at the Urban League. 
it's incredible. And unfortunately, we only have an hour, so I don't know if we're going to get okay. to all thirty all programs. Right. But I want—I do want to get a—I do want to get a pretty good, uh, you know, overview of many of them. But before we get there, I, I'd just really be interested to hear a little bit about your personal stories. Uh, you know, what brought you to to the Urban League? I, I actually first, uh, as I was mentioning, you know, I'll, I'll put in the show notes that there's uh, you had a great profile in the Rochester Business Journal, you know, and talked about growing up and, and, you know, what, what kind of, you had this, this special fire inside. So, so tell us a little bit about how that, uh, that young girl with a, with a special fire inside came to, uh, came to leading the Urban League. Oh, absolutely. So I quickly learned that I'm investing in others is important to your community. Um, and so I was a teen parent. I, when I was in high school, there were individuals that mentored me. And really, I, I got to see the investment. There was a program where you could visit the governor's mansion. And I worked with the judge. And I got to see women in business, um, with women leading. Um, and so that stayed with me. And so when I finished college, I knew that I wanted to, one, support a mission-driven organization that was only for me. Um, I wanted to help communities. If I wasn't going to be in my community, I wanted to see other communities grow. So that was important. And so I knew working for a nonprofit would be the work that I was led to do. And here I am today. And so all of my work, I have about 20 years of nonprofit experience leading nonprofits and helping them to meet their mission. And so this right here feels like the culmination of all of that, working at the Urban League, getting to do that on such a great scale and serving the Rochester community, which is home for me now. I've been in Rochester for about 15 years, so this is home. When I go back to Brooklyn, they introduce me as Chanel from Rochester. Okay. So. <laughs> It's official now. It's official. <laughs> well, we're lucky to have you. And, and, and what about you, Mubarak? I actually, um, I just been getting a chance to know you relatively recently, but I actually don't really know the the story that brought you to the Urban League. Yeah, so I, uh, I'm not from Rochester. I moved to, uh, to Rochester a little over 10 years ago from Pennsylvania. I initially went to school thinking I wanted to be an elementary school teacher. Um, and then uh, I think after that first semester, I, I ch- changed that up quickly. Um, and went for sociology, criminology. Um, I started right out of uh, college. I started a job working with young kids with developmental disabilities, Asperger's, autism. Um, and I wanted to do something different. So I don't know. Somehow I applied to a job in Rochester at the Urban League of Rochester. Um, ended up getting an interview. Drove up to, uh, to the Urban League, did that interview, and I've been with the Urban League ever since. So just the what... The program I had came for um, to start working at and just what it does, what it does in the community, um, kind of my background growing up uh, in poverty and uh, my parents always had that thing of giving back. And so this kind of was my calling as well, is just to work at the Urban League and give back to improve the community. And I've been in Rochester for over 10 years. I, I love it. Rochester's my home. <laughs> All right, so two two transplants. That was one of one of the things. I'm I'm I, I grew up here, but I was I was a boomerang. So I like I kind of know the feeling of you coming back and having to build that network from scratch and everything. And uh, but but this is a pretty special place, uh, and we're we're very lucky to lucky to have you both. Thank you. Uh, so I'm I'm I, I guess let's let's get started. Anyways, trying to trying to give a, a broad overview is uh, you know Mubarak, you you were on a panel recently for us uh, for for one of our conscious capitalists and meetings talking about some of the workforce development, especially as it relates to um, those that have been in incarceration, trying to get them back, you know, integrated into the community. So why don't you tell us a little bit about some of those programs uh, that the Urban League is working on? So Urban League, we have six workforce development programs. We have uh, a lot of our programs focus on individuals that haven't 
completed high school, um, I'd make sure I don't say dropped out of high school because there's a negative connotation that goes, goes with that. Um, so we work with individuals that haven't completed high school. And the goal of the program is to help them attain their high school equivalency diploma. We provide um, occupational skills training. So our programs are always looking to expand. Uh, so we initially began with construction. Now we see in Rochester, advanced manufacturing is starting to pick up, healthcare services, food services. So we've actually incorporated these trainings into our workforce development programs. Then we include leadership and personal development because one of the key things, and I know I discussed this at that panel discussion, is we want our participants to be able to be able to advocate for themselves. And that's where that leadership component comes in. So if they're going into the workplace, they need to know what they're worth. And this is what our, our programs are teaching them. Um, our other programs are uh, reentry, um, individuals that are leaving incarceration. So we work with them. Again, what would be maybe considered a hard to serve population. And our programs are really to give them those soft skills, um, the education component if they're not in, uh, if they haven't attained that, uh, the occupational skills training. And when you think construction, advanced manufacturing, these are jobs that if someone can only attain their high school equivalent to diploma, they can get a job in construction and still be able to support their families. And this is really what the Urban League is about, is creating uh, sustainable jobs that allow families to be able to support themselves and become self-sufficient. That's really the goal of all of our workforce development programs is to have individuals attain access to employment, uh, meaningful employment, and be able to retain employment as well. Mm, yeah, really interesting. I mean, I was I was blown away by the the variety of programs that you have. You know, serving different uh, different needs, uh, and and I know as well that the Urban League is part of you know this this national network of of Urban League. So I'd be curious I, from either of your perspectives, are there certain things uh, that that in Rochester you feel like we're we're doing uh, fairly well, uh, and then also like what are some of the things maybe you see elsewhere, whether it's different programs or or things that they're working on that maybe we we could uh, learn from or import. Yeah, I think that's a great question. Nationally, there are efforts to ensure that there are equitable schools. And so there is a grant with the Wallace Foundation that the National Urban League is involved with, and we're involved as well. And so I had the opportunity. I'm catching up, right? I've only been in my position for about five and a half months. So it got an opportunity to learn about the work that's being done across the country with other urban leagues. And the key to the success has been the partnership with the community organization, focusing on the social services that are needed in the schools. So that's that is really interesting to understand how the Urban League can insert themselves in and support the school systems on creating a better school opportunity for kids so that they can do better in school. So we're looking forward to continuing that work. Um, across the country, we're seeing work on workforce development. So we have a grant um, with the Department of Labor and Mubarak's programs are, are um starting to see the fruits of their labor with serving those individuals in the community. I think locally here, our focus is economic development, making sure that youth have access to a quality education, and then making sure that we have supports for individuals with disabilities. And that's much of the work that we do here. Most often people don't know that the Urban League has a program for individuals with disabilities. So we have a day hab program, we have a community hab program, and so we provide those supports right at our facility. Um, we also have a business development program, and that's very unique. Many Urban Leagues are unique to their area. Some Urban Leagues have schools, some have youth um, sports programs. We have a business development program, so we provide individuals that want to be, that are looking for entrepreneurial opportunities 
entrepreneurs, we help them to do that. And so if you want to start a business, whether you're dreaming of starting a business or you are in business and you're looking to grow your business, we provide those supports for individuals to do that. Yeah. So what does that look like? If, if I'm a listener, you know, and, and I have a business idea and I don't even know where to start or something like that, do I just, you know, show up or is there like an application process? Is it a cohort program or how does that, what does that look like? So it looks, it, it can be all those things. Let me just say, you can show up, you can call us um, locally, you can visit our website, but we have a class. There, there's a cohort right now engaged in our next level class where they're working on the skills to grow their business or even start their business. And that class is um, is going on now. And then there'll be another class in the spring. Um, we also have individualized programming. So if you are in business, but you don't have a business plan, we'll have an expert that will work with you to help you with your business plan. If you're just dreaming of an idea and you want to sit with our counselors, we'll help you get through that and start to point you in the right direction. Or maybe you have a business and you're doing well, but you want to work on that MWBE certification will help you with that process. So it's very individualized to meet the individual's need. Wow. Uh, yeah, that that was that was one that I had, I'd heard a little bit about, but didn't didn't I guess realize how uh, how extensive the program was. Um, but one that one that you mentioned briefly was this: not only the, the building of, of affordable housing, but also trying to trying to help with uh, it, with the, the home store you call the it, home right? Store, with yes. your you've got you know foreclosure intervention and credit counseling and home ownership counseling. So so tell us a little bit about how you help uh, help individuals to to get that ownership of of their home. Yeah. So whether it's ownership, if an individual is looking to own their own home, we help them with that process when thinking about. Maybe Maybe it's credit counseling that they need support with, or maybe it's budgeting so that they can get there and and have the the pocket of money um, for to make that down payment for their home. Or maybe it's connected them to grants for down payments for their own home. And so that will help the individual do that. We also have, if an individual finds that they're in a home and they're struggling and foreclosure is on the horizon, we want to help them before they get there. And so we have services and classes and support services to help them to keep keep their home from going into foreclosure. So the Urban League provides all of those supports with the home store. Or even if you're thinking of, you know, I want to get a home, but I just don't know how to get there, we can help you with that pathway to get to your home ownership. Even if you're thinking three years from now, you should still call us for support so we can go through, look at your credit, look at your spending habits, and start to put a plan in place to get you there three years from now, 30 days from now, six months from now. Yeah, yeah, it's such it's such an important, um, you know, measure for for those that for those that want it, you know, to to own a home, to to have that stability, to have that, you know, turn the turn the house into a home and, and be able to call call it their own um, is definitely definitely a point of pride, and and so making that accessible is is huge. And it's such a great feeling to see individuals go from renters to homeowners and having that pride about owning their own. But most importantly, we want to make sure that they have the supports and the resources to keep their home and prepare for things like emergencies. When you're a homeowner, there's no one else to pay for that repair but you. And so making sure that there's a plan for you know, when those emergencies arise. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've, I've seen statistics, you know, in terms of very, very few Americans, you know, could handle a $500 emergency, those absolutely. sorts of things. So having, having a little bit of, of leeway, especially, especially when you're a homeowner. I know my, uh, my hot water heater broke like a, like a month ago and that was a thousand dollars I wasn't planning to spend, that you know, set you back. Yeah. If, if you weren't planning for something like that, that could be a, 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 a 
a real problem for some. And so making sure that there's a plan and you are starting to put money away for those $1,000 emergencies. Yeah, yeah. So one of the other things that you were mentioning uh, in terms of some of the travel that you've been doing, some of the research and, you know, getting up to speed you've been doing is, is around advocacy, right? Um, you know, you've got a lot of these a lot of these great programs and in some extent it's how do we, um, you know, how do we create the policy level changes that hopefully in some cases might even, you know, go to the root causes of some of these, some of these problems and, and things that we're, that we're dealing with locally. But what are some of the things, you know, if you were to focus on a few things in your, you know, still very, uh, very early tenure, but what are, what are some of the things that are in the next couple of years that you'd most like to focus on policy-wise that could really make an d- impact in Rochester? Of course, education, access to education, quality education for our youth here in Rochester. I think that's been a hot topic for some time, but not just a hot topic, but such an important subject because it's real. And we have a program we're our black scholars, and, and, and it's just not just about the black scholars, but we want to make sure all youth that live in, no, doesn't matter their neighborhood, they, that they have access to quality education so that they can compete and have the careers or, or meet their education goals. And so it's important that we are advocating for better schools, better education opportunities, and doing our work. And so that coming together, all of us coming together to advocate for that is, is critical to the success of our schools. Now, there's, I know a lot of a lot of different pathways or, or different things that people uh, advocate for in terms of in terms of the schools. Is there anything um, that you've seen in your research or that has been happening in other urban leagues around the country where they've seen more success? Well, um, so one of the things that we were looking at just recently in New York City is making sure that there was a pipeline of strong principles that can turn the schools around. And so that's important, making sure that principals are equipped with the resources to prepare their teachers, that they have all the resources for their school. And so I've seen some success, at least the schools that we, we got to visit. We There were principals, there was one principal that was brought in from Sweden and really did some great work in the school to change the trajectory for the students that he was serving. So I'm excited about that and exciting how we can partner with the Rochester City School District or charter schools um, to learn what our role is. And so looking forward to inserting us, inserting the Urban League in that work. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've seen a lot. And, and especially, you know, we've, we've dealt with in Rochester um, such turnover in terms of superintendents. And, you know, it seems like every couple of years, you know, they even if they come in with great plans, uh, you know, oftentimes they're, they're gone before we ever see if those, those plans are, you know, we're going to work, you know, if they're, if they're implemented and everything. And, and I've seen, uh, I did a, a term on the editorial board for the Democrat and Chronicle and their Time to Educate project. And, and that was one of the, one of the big uh, Difference makers with strong principles. Um, when when they have both the autonomy, first of all, to you know create that school culture, but then hopefully many of them are sticking around longer. So to provide, even if there is turnover, you know, in the in the administration of the of the district, to have some consistency at the at the principal at the school level can be a really important factor. Absolutely, superintendents will often change, but you want to make sure that you have a strong principal to stay with that school and continue to do the work despite administration change. So, Mubarak, I know that your background, since we're talking about young people, a lot of your background with the Urban League has been in some of the some of the youth programs. So, can you tell us a little bit? Um, because I think it's so important. I, I I say it all the time. You know, there's there's these pockets of great things going on in Rochester, but there's also this this kind of two Rochesters, and and sadly, oftentimes along along racial lines because of you know historic 
laws and redlining and all different kinds of things that have happened. But you know, I'd I'd love to hear your perspective because. I don't think any of these pockets of, of great things, whether it's businesses that are coming or investments that are happening, if it's not inclusive prosperity, it's not going to be sustainable for Rochester. And, and, and part of that is, yes, we need to do some things now, but hopefully, what if, you know, as Frederick Douglass talked about, you know, how do we, how do we start with the children rather than have to repair the broken men, right? So, so what are some of the things that you've been doing um, with, with young people to hopefully, you know, try to try to get to the root of, of some of these challenges? So we, uh, so our programs begin at 17 years old. Um, so we, uh, I would say we're trying to expose our participants to a lot of things that are out there because some of them are potentially going to be first generation to go on to college, um, first generation to have a job where they're able to support themselves or their family members. Um, so a lot of our program is really that counseling. We do counseling services and just, trying to um, give them real-life situations that they may, may deal with and how to handle those uh, situations. Our programs are 8.30 to 3.30. So once that participant leaves, what are they doing when they leave our program? And oftentimes with some of our reentry programs or uh, even our youth program, we find that's when they run into issues that may result in them being reincarcerated. Um, so a lot of it is just exposure to what's out there because they have every person that walks in the door of the Urban League has the potential to be successful. And I always say you're good, you're great at something, you just have to find out what you're great at. And our goal is to try to find out what every individual that comes in is great at and then just continue to push on to that. Because often they haven't heard that from anyone else besides the staff at, at the Urban League or their teachers. And so that's our big thing, it's just exposure, uh, finding what they're great at and then just continuing to push so they can continue to work towards that and, and have success. And, and like I said, we want to create uh, generations of, su- of success. So if they're successful in our program, that'll pass on to their kids and their kids' kids and, and so on. Yeah, yeah, it's so important, both, both the, the you know, habits that you learn from your parents, but also you know, generational you know, wealth and things like that and, and financial literacy and, and so many of those things that um, you know, some of us are, are lucky enough to learn from our parents and, and some of us may, maybe not, but if, if, we can, if we can start that change now, uh, the, the downstream impacts seem to be pretty, pretty huge. And, and I hope it's to focus on um, helping the individuals reach success, but also remove those barriers that impede their success. And so if it's a lack of um, employment experiences, creating apprenticeships or creating opportunities where they can partner with an organization where they can gain that work experience or if they don't have their high school diploma, help them to get their high school diploma or find alternatives to reaching their high school diploma. Um, If it's not career, if it's not college for them, then finding a career pathway for the individuals because everyone's going to reach that level of success or wealth very differently. And so for some it may be college, for some it may be finding a career, but finding, as Mubarak said, that pathway to their greatness and removing all the impediments to that. I, I think that's so important. And, and so many of our, our listeners are, are business owners and what we'd you know, kind of term conscious capitalism, conscious business owners, where they're, where they're concerned with, uh, you know, whether it's sustainability, whether it's, you know, the, uh, the community that they, they're embedded in, um, but they want to have an impact through business. And so what if a business owner is listening and maybe they're really inspired and learning, learning a few things about the Urban League and want to have a, an impact in Rochester, 
What are some of the things that, that a business owner might be able to do in terms of helping to offer some of those opportunities or, or build that pipeline? Sure, Mubarak, jump in any time. Um, I think that business owners can, one, partner by becoming a member of the Urban League. So the Urban League is a membership organization that's part of how we um, support our programs through memberships. Um, and so becoming a member says, yes, I want to be a partner of the, the work of the Urban League and I want to help support that. So that would be one. Two, learning more about our workforce development programs. How can your organization partner maybe serving as an opportunity where someone can intern? That could be an opportunity. Or maybe finding where the synergies between our work and their work. And so there are opportunities that way. Also, I know we're going to talk about our luncheon, but I just feel like this is a time to just introduce that because we feel that Business owners are stakeholders in the Urban League. And so we have our upcoming luncheon on November 12th where we want to hear from stakeholders. So it's, a, it's called Equity in You, Not Your Average Luncheon. And it truly is not your average luncheon because it's just that. We want the stakeholders to be part of this luncheon. So you'll hear from a guest speaker. You'll hear from Dr. Deborah Warner. And she'll talk about trauma and she'll talk about poverty and she'll talk about equity. But it's really a conversation from our stakeholders on what's happening in the community where are there solutions that we haven't heard? What work is being done by businesses that we don't know that they're doing to establish in the community? Um, and then where are there synergies for the Urban League? Because I know that there are businesses that are doing things. There are interfaith community groups that are doing things. There are small business owners, barbershop owners, beauty salon owners that are doing the work. But we don't know about that because oftentimes they're doing it in silo or they don't have the advocacy, advocacy groups like the Urban League. Um, um, to, to help them do the work. So this luncheon is going to be an opportunity to have that discussion. So to bring in all stakeholders to come in and let's talk about some solutions. Let's talk about synergies so that we can make a better and more inclusive Rochester. I love that. Yeah, we, we had... Um you know, at, well, Mubarak, you'll remember at our panel, you know, we had a, a young man uh, who's actually an alum of this podcast, uh, Devin Reynolds at Brothers and Sisters Salon. And he's absolutely one of those people who is so passionate and, and really a community builder, really like boots on the ground and was asking a few questions and, and didn't know the extent to which, you know, a lot of these programs are going on at the Urban League. So it's, it's really exciting. And, and I'm really looking forward to the luncheon as well, because I want to hear some, some more of those stories of the businesses and, and bring them on and help share those stories. Because I think when, when people start to see um, the possibilities and they hear some of those stories, uh, they start to see how they might have an impact. So Yeah, it's important. So we plan to have facilitators at every table and we'll ask four key questions. Um, those questions, we'll document those questions. We plan to part partner with CGR and we'll create, we'll asking people to come back to a learning circle um, for some deeper conversation. Those that can, there'll be additional dates for them to come back and have some real deep conversation about equity issues in Rochester. From that, we'll develop a report from the luncheon, from the learning circles, and there'll be a report. And that report, what we learn in that report, will chart Urban League's pathway for 2020. So we're really excited about actually getting our information and the solutions and the opportunities for synergies from our stakeholders. 
So we're excited about that. So this is definitely not your average luncheon. I love that. Mm-hmm. Well, and it, it, it's such a such a brilliant platform too for you know a, a new leader to you know they always want to go do their listening tour and see what the needs are and everything. But this is a this is like a, a super intensive focus group, right? To like hear everything is get as many people in the same room as possible and, and really kickstart that. It is. We're excited about that. This is new for us. This is new. We've we're looking for facilitators to help us with this process. I mean, this is a big undertaking. We, When we first initially talked about it, I don't think we realized how much work it would take to make this happen. But we're excited because there's so many supporters, there's stakeholders that are truly invested in the work of the Urban League and, of course, making a better Rochester. That's where it's all about, making a better Rochester and a more inclusive Rochester. And so we're excited about it. We're looking forward to November 12th, and we hope that you'll be there. Yes. Well, yes. I'm looking forward. I was just going to say I'm looking forward to being a, a facilitator facilitator at one of those tables. Um, but for those that are listening that either, uh, you know, want to come, it's open to anybody that wants to, wants to come to the luncheon, right? Absolutely. Um, but then what, what would you be looking for if somebody, you know, would potentially be interested in, in a facilitator or who, who should they contact? If someone is in, um, interested in just making a better Rochester is willing to sit at a table and be a good listener um, and listen to what and, and create an environment where people feel welcome to to give uh, solutions and ideas then come on down call us um, 585-325-6530 that's our number at the Urban League or they can visit our website or they can send us a message on Facebook um, but we we still need about what 10 more facilitators mm-hmm. all right we're still looking for yeah so we're, we're looking for we still need some supports with that great so uh, you you talked a little bit about um, you know some of the some of the gaps and I, I don't want to I don't want to preempt anything because you're going to get a lot of information in a couple of weeks but but you've been around you you both have been around you know in Rochester for for a while now and and really boots on the ground doing a lot of a lot of great work what are some of the biggest gaps that you do see you know in Rochester that uh, you know would would make the biggest impact if we could address them um, I think. One, health. We have a lot of health inequities in Rochester. And so how do we change that? And what are those? And I don't have those answers today, but I'm looking forward to hearing from the stakeholders and hear, hearing what work, what work is being done. Also, education. Again, a lack of access to work. Um, creating environments where healthy neighborhoods right? And stronger neighborhoods. And so where children don't have to worry about walking home. And what are some of the supports that the youth need um, after school, right? And so those are all of the things when we think about equity um, and we think about inequity, when we think about making a better Rochester, it's healthy neighborhoods, it's affordable housing, it's making sure that people have access to high quality health care, making sure that if you have behavioral health needs and supports, you don't have to wait six months to get an appointment with a physician to help you with that. And so all of that, all those conversations, and we want to hear what's happening that we don't know about. Who are the people like yourself that are doing the work that are helping this small group? But if they were just connected with the organization like the Urban League, they could do so much more. Yeah, yeah, and, and back to Devin. Devin, you know, Devin was talking about the about that with the barbershops. Like that's he's trying to get more, you know, conscious conscious, uh, you know, barbershop owners to be more more like that. But being able to to 
link in with the network that you have and the services that you all provide and and finding those finding those conscious business owners or just you know people that want to be good neighbors and want to contribute to the community and, and bring them together so we have we have at urban league we had neighbors that were doing some work to establish pride in place right on our street and we didn't know about the work that they were doing and we connected with them and we met with them and we said you're you're the urban league's neighbor um and so we just said we have to work together and that's where it starts just coming together and making those connections and so we're, we're excited about that. We hope Devin and all the businesses like Devin can come and be a part of it. And again, we don't want the cost of the luncheon. There is a fee for the luncheon. It's $65, but we don't want the cost to be a barrier. So if there's someone that wants to participate and be part of it, if you're a small business owner, call us, let us know, visit us at our website, ULR.org, and let us know, you know, maybe we can't pay the $65. We still want to hear your voice. We want to hear what's happening. So we want to hear from youth. We want to hear from barbershop owners, beauty salons, big businesses, small businesses, podcast <laughs> interviewers, everyone. We we want them to be part of that. It's yeah, important important to know for for sure and and definitely definitely much appreciated to to be flexible in some of those things when when it's when it's necessary. So, thank you for that. But it sounds like uh, I want to make sure you make time as well because you're you're not you're not wading into this thing. You've already got that big event and you got another one coming up uh, after that as well. So tell us a little bit about this pitch competition. Yeah, we have. So for our business development division, we have a pitch competition. So this is for small business owners. I think they have to make under $50,000 a year um, and they're looking to grow their business. So if they have an idea to grow their business, listen to this. They sign up at the Urban League. Um, they, They fill out an application to be part of the competition and they could win. The first place winner wins $5,000. So this is a partnership with KeyBank, and it's for their um, Boost and Build, Business Boost and Build um, program, and we're excited about that. So $5,000, and then there's, I think, the runner-ups will receive about $500. So this is a win for whoever wins this competition, $5,000 to help grow their business. And so folks can sign up at the Urban League, ULR.org, and if they want to learn more about it, they can connect with Alana, or um, Kendall, and they'll help them to sign up and, and get into the competition. So is this for already existing businesses or business oh, they ideas? Have to have or? In, they have to have been in business for at least one year. Okay. Um, and so this can't be for someone that's just dreaming of an idea. These are folks that are in business, they have their business going, and they have about $50,000 or less in revenue. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. And and but it's open to anyone, any kind of industry. Any and- kind of industry, anyone that wants to come up come around and, and participate as long as they've been in business for at least one year. And then is that something as well that's open to the public to attend? Or? It is. The public can attend. It's on December 5th and more information is on our website and it's it's going to be at, oh my goodness, the location is at the Science Museum. Oh, we're excited about that. Great. Well, I'll make sure to link to that in the yes. show notes as well. Um, in the last little bit anyways, you know, the, the, the time is flying, but I'd love to just hear a few a few stories. You know, I think stories can be really powerful. Um, you know, you've both have been involved for a while. You know, Mubarak, especially, you know, in your, you know, almost 11 years at the Urban League. 
um, in, in working with youth. What, what if, you know, you don't maybe necessarily have to use names if, if, you'd, if you don't want to do that, but what are some of the impacts that you've seen firsthand of, of individuals who have uh, really benefited from the Urban League services? So with the success stories, we have small success stories and then those large success stories because obviously what some people may not consider success is the success in the uh, individuals that we serve. So something as simple as uh, we had one participant that was able to secure their New York State ID. Their father had taken it away. They were an immigrant to this country, um, and they were able to secure that. Students that have been able to uh, get consistent daycare is a success because that allows them to complete the program. Then we have our students um, that go through our program. They begin an internship. Uh, One in particular, he began an internship which turned into an, into a job with a construction company, and he was with that company for three to four years. Ended up leaving to go to MCC, um, and there was actually a story written about this particular individual in the Rochester Business Journal a few years ago. Um, so our success stories, there's uh, a wide range of success, um, and like I said, some of these, our uh, construction manager always says you have to celebrate those small wins, and that's what we try to do with our participants because. Any success is is a, a huge success in their eyes, um, but we've had individuals that have gained meaningful employment. We've had some that went on to post-secondary education. A large number received a certification in uh, construction, occupational skills certificate. So we have a, a, a number of success stories, and we're continuing. So and we're, then we have big success, success stories like purchasing homes. Yeah, and then we have we just had a young woman who had a small business that's growing. She just received a $15,000 microloan from True Fund Financial for $15,000 to help grow her daycare center right here in Rochester. So we see from the small personal wins to the big wins. And they're all personal wins. Yeah. They're all big wins to each individual. Yeah, yeah, they got to kind of define what success looks like and, and what is uh, you know, a meaningful goal for them and, and maybe a little bit of a stretch, but not, not so far out. But then once they achieve that, maybe then they dream a little bit bigger. One, you know, One of the bigger ones, and we just, uh, Dr. Hoggins and I just had a meeting. So one of our partners, U.S. Sealing, uh, Melissa Geska, actually went through our small business program at the Urban League of Rochester um, and has been a, a strong supporter of our workforce development program. So our students are doing internships, internships with her, gaining employment, so this is someone that has went through Urban League programs, started up her own business as an MWB uh, uh, company, and now she's continuing to work and, and give back to the Urban League. So I think that's a huge success, and it just shows how there's that wraparound that she started at the Urban League and, and is continuing to work with the Urban League. And she's been recognized several times mm-hmm. in the community in the RBJ. She just was recognized at one of the charter schools, YWCP, just for her work in the community. And she started at the Urban League. Mm-hmm. That's phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, it comes full circle. It then, does. then those, you know, hopefully getting more and more. Was it Melissa? Yes. And more and more Melissas, right? And then they come back and they can serve as as mentors and coaches and even just inspirational stories to to inspire the next generation too. So that's pretty cool. That's what we want to see. We want to see businesses be successful and then come back and make sure that they return that this that give back to the urban league so that we can continue the work. Again, we're a membership organization, and so. You know, we started in 1965. Funding has changed. It started to diminish. And so we have to keep to ensure that we can sustain our programs, make sure that we're here for the next hundred years. And so as long as we keep turning folks around and say, hey, you've been successful, now give back so the next person can be successful. 
That's how it works. So are the are the memberships for for individuals or companies or it both? Could be a company. We have both. So a company can take out a membership or an individual, a senior. Um, it all depends. Okay, Absolutely. and then and then I'd be remiss if I didn't also mention you also have a, a Black Young Professionals is one of the things under your umbrella, right? We do, we do. We have Black Young Professionals. So if there are young professionals out there that want to stay connected with the Urban League, we also have the Black Scholars Program for individuals that have main students that are in high school that have maintained to be average or better. They become part of the Black Scholars Program. So we have lots of programs to keep individuals connected with the Urban League. So whether you're a high school student, you're a black young professional, um, or you're a business that just wants to partner and say, yes, we want to help you do the work, there's opportunity for everyone. Great. Well, if we're looking, maybe uh, you know, uh, you're 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 new to the role, and you're trying to you know maybe figure out what what your goals are still for for the future. But what what you know, five or ten years out, what is what is a what does success look like for for your kind of tenure at the Urban League? That's a great question. Um, I think success looks like we're one everyone knows about the resources that we provide. Right now, we're still, I feel like, we're still Rochester's best kept secret. Um, And I hope that the Urban League is partnered with many organizations and that we're doing the work together. We're not just doing the work in silo. And so there aren't people like the small businesses that are doing it by themselves, that we're doing the work together. And if it's not with Urban League, we've been the conduit to connect them to other organizations that are doing the work, but that we can do the work collectively so that we can do the work smarter, better to make that better Rochester. And and so what would you say would be um, like the, the biggest... The biggest barrier to that is it is it trying to? It sounds like getting the word out is part of it. Um, getting the the awareness and um, what what you know maybe it's the business owners too of getting getting businesses that that want to join as members or want to give back. Um, is there anything is there anything else on the like on the individual level of of people just. Uh, you know, being being a part of what, what they can personally do to kind of give back to the community? Yeah, I, so I think there are challenges. Of course, we're a nonprofit, and so we want to see the dollars go directly into programs, but we also still need to operate a business. And so when you look at our website, is our website the best? No, but there's it's a lot of money to update the website. Yeah. And so if there are businesses that want to say, hey, I can help the Urban League ramp up their their website and make it look, you know, like today's needs and maybe they can do all these mobile things. Um, So there's opportunities there. Maybe there is an individual that can help us with, you know, we're in an old building and there are needs that we have in our building. So maybe they can help us with those things. They're very... I mean, we make sure that the money goes to the programs. And so when it comes to maintenance of our program, those are the challenges because, of course, you have to look for grants or you have to find money to do that. So those are the challenges of being a nonprofit organization. And so if there are businesses that want to say, hey, that's where I can help. Maybe I can't write a check for a million dollars, but I can help them with X. And so whatever that is, we look forward to that. Wonderful. Well, you are uh, you are one of the best kept secrets, and but we nobody are. truly wants to be the best kept secret, <laughs> no, right? We so, don't. so we hopefully don't. So this is helping hopefully us. this is uh, at least one one small drop in the pond of uh, of you know starting a few ripples, getting a, getting the word out there. Um, definitely, really grateful that you, that you both decided to to make Rochester home. We're lucky to have you, and and you know I think that the the things that you all are doing each and every day are really going to have a huge downstream impact, and and really love 
love even just the the approach that you're taking of let's listen to the community and what what they need and how how you at the Urban League can be great partners. And so I'm really looking forward to what the next five or ten years holds and, and into the future. Certainly, uh, let us know at Conscious Capitalism how we can uh, how we can help you. But thanks so much for coming in today and all you're doing each and every day. Thank you. Thank and you. I, I have to say that we could not do the work without the team. We have a talented team that's passionate about the work that they're doing. They would they probably would do it for free, although they don't. <laughs> but they're passionate about the work that we're doing. So I'm hoping that this team will be with us for the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years. But thank you for your support and thank you to all of our stakeholders that are invested in the Urban League and our work. This episode is brought to you by Wicked Squid Studios, Rochester, New York's premier podcast development team. The Wicked Squid family brings ideas to life through the art of audio production. From custom jingles and creative services to studio memberships and educational curriculum, their outfit strives to empower all members of society to build a more equal and colorful world. Learn more about their operation at wickedsquidstudios.com.